the Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles when away. Arrived, we found the telephone and described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning. Murder. Losing a child is heartbreaking. Losing two is unimaginable. What about losing nine over 14 years? On September 11th, 1942, a woman named Mary Beth Tinning was born. A woman who would, it seemed, be surrounded by death. Or was it murder? So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Mary Beth Rowe was born on September 11, 1942, in a small town called Dwaynesburg, New York. Not much is known about her childhood, but what we do know is that her father was deployed during World War II and her mother was a working woman. Therefore, Mary Beth was often placed in the care of different relatives, one of which told her she was an accident and that her birth was unwanted. This is believed to be the first blow to her otherwise seemingly happy childhood. Though, as an adult, Mary Beth claimed that she was abused as a child, but it was never substantiated. Eventually, Mary Beth became a nursing assistant in Schenectady, New York, and in 1963, met Joseph Tinning on a blind date. The couple married two years later. Their first child, Barbara, was born in May of 1967, and their first son, Joseph, in January of 1970. The Tinnings had their third child, Jennifer, in December of 1971, but at just eight days old, she passed away from hemorrhagic meningitis and multiple brain abscesses that she suffered at birth. Her death set off a domino effect within the family that would have deadly consequences. Because just 17 days later, Mary Beth was back in the hospital, but this time with Joseph Jr. The young boy, not even one years old, died. It was ruled as a cardiopulmonary arrest. Several weeks later, Mary Beth returned once again with Barbara, stating that the baby had gone into convulsions. Barbara died the next day after being in a comatose state for several hours. Her death was ruled as the result of Reyes syndrome, a rapidly progressive illness that is usually caused by a viral infection. On Thanksgiving Day in 1973, Mary Beth gave birth to a son named Timothy. 18 days later, Timothy was returned to the hospital, already dead from what appeared to be SIDS. By this time, the tragic deaths of their children were all ruled as accidents, and the family was pitied for their stroke of horrible luck. In 1974, Joseph Sr. was admitted to the hospital after a near-fatal dose of barbiturates. 
It seemed that Mary Beth, whose marriage was declining, put pills which she took from a friend's epileptic daughter into her husband's juice. While this should have triggered questions and concerns, Joseph, for reasons unknown, declined to press charges against his wife. In March of 1975, Mary Beth had her fifth child, Nathan. That autumn, he died in the car while out with his mother. Having lost all of her biological children, the couple adopted Michael in August of 1978, shortly after he was born. On October 29th, Mary Beth gave birth to her sixth child, Mary Frances, and by January of 1979, Mary Frances was being rushed to the emergency room unconscious with her mother claiming that she suffered from a seizure. Doctors were able to revive the infant, believing they saved her from SIDS. But, a month later, the girl returned again in full cardiac arrest. She was revived yet again, but had irreversible brain damage and was taken off life support two days later. That fall, another Tinnings child was born, Jonathan, and in March of 1980, he died after being kept on life support for four weeks. In March of 1981, after surviving three years with his adopted family, Michael was taken to the hospital after he failed to wake up. After his death, the long-suspected theory and the truth behind the deaths of the Tinnings children were confirmed. These deaths could not be due to some genetic reason. Michael was adopted, after all. With suspicions raised, in August of 1985, Tammy Lynn Tinnings was born and died on December 20th. Her cause of death was ruled not as SIDS, but smothering. On the day of Tammy's death, had been visited by the Department of Social Services and the Schenectady Police Department, inquiring about the girl's sudden death and the death of her nine other children. Six autopsies were done after Tammy's death. Mary Beth and Joseph were taken separately to the police station for questioning. During interrogation, Mary Beth signed a confession to the murders of Tammy Lynn, Timothy, and Nathan. And, while she was only charged with the murder of Tammy, she is believed to have murdered all of her children except for Jennifer, who did truly die at birth from her complications. Her trial began on June 22, 1987, and after six weeks of trial and 23 hours of jury deliberation, Mary Beth Tinning, just 44 years old, was convicted of one count of second-degree murder. The jury believed that, while she didn't deliberately cause the infant's death, it was murder by, quote, depraved indifference to human life. Her husband stood resolute in her innocence. She was sentenced to 20 years to life, and after failing to parole numerous times due to lack of remorse, she was released on August 21st, 2018, at 76 years old. She was released back to her husband, who supported her throughout her incarceration. It is still unclear if she suffered from Munchausen's by proxy and has never been truly diagnosed. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on September 12th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy-to-listen-to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. 
so make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again, and have a wonderful day.